Hello and welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week, I'm Paul Sweeney, co-founder and chief strategy officer here at Webio. And today I'm joined by our CEO and co-founder, Cormac O'Neill. And we will be exploring some of the recent news stories, events, reports, and trends in the credit industry. Cormac, it's been a hell of a week for Webio. Would you like to share some of our news with our uh, avid listeners? Hey, Paul, how are we doing? Yeah, I think we kind of touched on this or we we flagged it on last week's call that we would have an announcement. So this week we announced the launch of our new UI, uh, which we are really excited about uh, here at Webview. This The new UI has been 24 months in the making and developing. It's very much focused around what we are doing around our AI strategy. Um, and the feedback so far since we, we launched it into existing customers and new customers has been absolutely fantastic. I'm really, really delighted to see how the new UI is being received. It's a real a real refresh of our, of our platform. Um, it's exceptionally user-friendly. Uh, what it's doing and what we are attempting to do around the use of of AI and and what we call our custom collections language model um, is is really great. And again, you know, the reception is getting from our users, which is what it's all about, um, has been fantastic. So that was that was announced last week. There are going to be more. We kind of did a general announcement last week. This week is going to be all about explaining. Um, the additions to the platform, what it's doing, what we're looking to achieve, the problems that we think we're going to solve for our customers as a result of of this new release, and the pains it will alleviate. So you'll be getting more and more on the detail this week on the different areas and the different um, uh, capabilities of the new UI. So yeah, it's a big week. I think everybody was quite excited about it, Paul, weren't they, among the team, to, to see this work? It's really such a massive uplift, like from start to finish. It's like fundamental. This isn't a, a just a new coat of paint. It's a fundamental redesign of nearly everything. Um, so it's 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 amazing to see uh, to, for it to go from the diagrams to the development to the prototypes to the all the different environments that has to pass through. It's pretty amazing. Um, so it's it's a. Uh, just amazing to see because uh, the, the amount of work that goes into uh, this is some amount of work. So just, and, a, and a great team effort across the board uh, from getting customer feedback into our existing UI and how we incorporated that into um, into the release we just announced. The design phase, brilliant. The feedback loop, the actual development of it, all the way up to the release last week. You know, a real team effort to get this one across the line and. We're very excited about it, yeah. A big, a big sigh of relief that it's out there in the world now. So let's 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 get our advertising bit over. Hey, everyone, come over and check us out. Uh, this thing is uh, well worth booking a demo and getting a, a run through. Yeah, did you know, absolutely no bugs whatsoever, Paul. Absolutely, thank God. Yeah, no thank bugs. God, it's the only. only... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you when it, there's a big difference between launching a screen and an entire platform. Yeah, there is. It, yeah, yeah. Here we might. There is, yeah, yeah. There is a big difference, yeah. There's always going to be something. And there might be one or two bugs come up. Yeah, that's 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 true. Always something. Okay, let's go on to general industry news. Latest Bank of England data has highlighted that mortgage defaults and missed payments on credit cards and loans both surged at the end of the year, and we are expected to keep rising. 
Missed credit card and loan payments as a percentage of balances are higher than they have been for the last five years. Mortgage defaults were worse in the second quarter of 2023, but other than that, they're significantly higher than they have been for at least five years. Among lower earners, 27% are in arrears and 37% have debt worries, with the average low earner now owing £168 a month, excluding mortgages. However, middle earners are in trouble with an average unsecured debt payment of £315 sterling a month. Demand for unsecured borrowing fell in the last three months of the year and credit card demand is expected to rise in early 2024. The length of interest-free periods for balance transfers fell at the end of the year and is expected to stay at this level. The real fear here is that the banks will realise their exposure to these uh, bad debts or these debts uh, that may become bad, dial back on their lending, and a lot of people will hit a brick wall in terms of being able to access new finance. So again, we've been tracking this coming through for a while, Cormac, maybe six months. We've been highlighting that this is going to start peaking in the new year. And uh, well, here's the numbers coming through now. Yeah, look, I guess, Paul, no surprises uh, on this. You're dead right. We have been flagging this. Look, you know, the reason we're flagging it is because we live it ourselves every single uh, every single day of the week, every single week of the month and every single month of the year. So, you know, um, we, you know, we spoke about the, um, the reduction in people's disposable incomes as a result of increased interest rates. And, you know, we're seeing it here again, filter through. So look, there's no, there should be no surprise, uh, in what you've, you've just read out there, Paul, like, you know, no doubt about it. Well, the cost of living crisis was contributing factor to all of the above. Household bills have surged. £326 sterling on average in the last 12 months, according to Compare the Market. The research analysis of the cost of energy, water, home insurance, motor insurance, and council tax was included in that number. The increase in average car and home insurance premiums have significantly impacted the cost of household bills. The cost of car insurance is currently £951 at 322 or 51% uplift versus 12 months ago. The average cost of home insurance is currently £197, a £46 or 30% rise year on year. The increase in insurance premiums may in part be due to a rise in the cost of claims for insurers. Those numbers really knocked me back, Cormac. They are huge increases when you stand back and look at them. Yes, they are. And I'm smiling as you're reading them out because, Paul, we're in the third week of January, third, fourth week of January. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know how I've done this, but all my insurance renews in January. So I got my car, I got my my house insurance, I got my health. And it's like, you know, it's just such a drag. And I went through each of them over the last uh, two to three weeks, every single one of them have gone up and you ring up your insurance broker or direct with your insurance provider and it's like, what's going on here? I haven't crashed a car in um, 20 odd years. You know, my house hasn't changed. Um, I don't think my health has changed, yet you're whacking me with all these these increases. It's just like, you know, and <clears throat> yeah, look, but what I will encourage every single person who's listening to this to do is to haggle 
just old fashioned haggling, you will get a reduction. You will, you know, you mightn't get a massive reduction, but if you're getting a reduction, if you're haggling and uh, you're, 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 you're pushing, you will get a reduction. Because one thing that's actually happened with the introduction of, of digital and the adoption of digital is it's so easy to renew. All right. So every single one of my insurance policies, uh, I can do it online. Like, you know, I get I get a link, go in, renew your insurance, click the big green renew button um, and you can do it right there and then. Right. And I guarantee you a lot of people probably do just go in and accept what's in front of them and click. But, you know, if you lift up the phone and talk to them and go, hey, guys, you know, nothing has changed. Why is this increasing? You will get a reduction. So, um, you know, that's that's my top tip. Don't just take the the digital option. Sometimes go the old fashioned way and, and, and pick up the phone and have a conversation and it, it will pay for itself. Well, I'd, I'd be a little bit different than that, Cormac, in that I believe that you should be able to negotiate through your chat. You should be able to explain that you don't have uh, any um, um, any differences. Tone of voice, Paul, is very important when it comes to haggling. <laughs> you know, you gotta. You know, you, there's certain words you gotta put an emphasis on wh- when you're haggling. You know, but you just can't do textually. Uh, you know, just just doesn't work, man. I leave it to you, the master haggler. Um, I'll move on to the third part of this first part of that. What's changing in the world, the, the economy, and we just mentioned council tax as a contributing factor to rising costs. But many councils are experiencing a dramatic increase in non-payment of council tax, further hindering their ability to function. It is estimated that unpaid council bills across England, accumulated over many years, rose by 56, sorry, 53% between March 2020 and March 2023, from just over 3.5 billion to just under 5.5 billion. The consequences for people that miss paying a tax bill can be significant. They can face a demand for a whole year's worth of payments, extra charges, bailiffs at the door. Like there's real implications for people missing those um, payments. An article in The Guardian this week says that one in five local councils will be insolvent by next year. In November of last year, Nottingham City Council issued a Section 114-114 notice deeming it could not deliver a balanced budget. Four English councils have declared insolvency in 2023, but in 2024, a number of councils are sounding the alarm, including Stoke-on-Trent, Middlesbrough, Somerset, Bradford and Cheshire East. The Guardian reports that the money councils received from central government underwent a real terms cut of 40% between 2010 and 2020. So, this is a, not something that was on my radar. I, I, I know that um, a lot of our, our customers and a lot of our uh, employees are, are in the UK. And these, these numbers are, again, just shocking um, in terms of the amount of money that people are trying to get organized. So it's actually, as you know, Paul, internally, it's quite topical uh, in Webio because in the last quarter, and you're right, like councils isn't something that we would have said is, you know, particularly on target customer for what we do at Webio. Just, we, we just wouldn't have thought about it in, in, in that way. But in the last quarter, um, five months, we've had a number of, of inbound inquiries to, to find out more about what we do at Webio in terms of how do we, how do we help organizations and enterprises um you know 
talk to their customers around collections. So this is one literally this morning we had a discussion on to see how do we how do we look to to um uh, provide an offering to councils to to help them with this ch- challenge that they have because you know you are correct those numbers are are pretty startling in terms of a the level of debt uh, accumulating debt and b um i'm not sure did you say one and five one and four uh, could be insolvent five, yeah. next year which strikes me as a as a staggering staggering number um <clears throat> so clearly there's a real issue here right clearly there's a, a, yeah. a, a real problem and yeah well hey you know maybe we'll um we'll be able to do something to help some of these councils you know so yeah it's uh yeah it's uh one of those uh like systemic problems and that if you don't if you can't collect money you can't spend money so you don't have the right services so people keep on falling behind it's a you know it's a pretty bad uh pretty bad loop to be in anyway uh, moving on to Section 2, FinTech, BNPL, AI, and related news. This week, we're heavy on the FinTech. Cross-border payments from WISE continue to rack up new customers in Q3, leading to a 40% increase in income to £375 million sterling. In a trading update, the firm says active customers grew 30% year-on-year to £7.5 driven by increased adoption of the WISE account and multi-feature usage. Alongside this growth, approximately half of all personnel and business customers now use multiple features, such as their WISE card, as well as the money sending app. Reflecting the continued strong growth, WISE has upgraded FY uh, full year 24 income guidance to 40-44% from previous guidance of 33 to 38%. So I think it's fair to say that not all fintech is dead. Um, Other research came out this week indicating that the traditional banks are still applying hidden fees to these types of cross-border payments. So I expect WISE to continue to do well in this space. Are you doing anything with uh, cross-border payments with banks, Cormac? Not on a personal level, Paul, I have to say, no, uh, it's not something that I would do, but there are stellar numbers from WISE. Um, and without a shadow of a doubt, listen, fintech's going nowhere, folks. I think we've said that before. It's, we've said it before. It's, it's, here uh, to stay. It's, it's here to stay. Some valuations took a bit of a hit, but of we'll course. come to that. Yeah, of course. Um, another firm I came across during the week is a, a company called Cashable. So that's a K-A-S-H, Cashable a fintech platform that offers credit to employees through a company's payroll system. They've bagged $25 million in Series B. Cashable integrates with employer human resource information systems and payroll platforms, enabling immediate access to loans that are automatically paid through salary deductions. The firm also provides employees with access to free financial education courses, including credit monitoring, individual financial coaching, and budgeting tools. And I was just really wondering what other systems, processes, and softwares within the enterprise could benefit from this kind of embedded finance approach. I I always think it's worth thinking about. I mean, 10 years ago, would you have said um, uh, that maybe there's value in giving your own employees access to a, I don't know if this is exactly a payday loans platform, but it 
feels a little bit like that. Uh, well, it's, I'll tell you what, Paul, it reminds me of the good old fashioned, you know, you went up to your, your boss and said, Jesus, is there any chance you could spot me uh, 20 quid this month? I'm a bit tight and, you know, take it out of my wages, you know? So I think it's, this is the modern digitalized version of, of that. I think, you know, it's what we can call a cash now, work later, I think is the, what we call this one, you know? I, I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a great one. You know, so I think that's what we're looking at here, folks. We got a new a new four letter one here, cash now, work later. Is that Ryan? C N W W. Nah, don't think so. It'll be good enough. I I like this uh it ties to just a couple of trends around in previous podcasts and we talked about people being able to maybe get their inventory financed or get equipment financed. Like what else in the business? Like do, could you could you maybe make an embedded service like that. It's just worth reflecting on because these are, you know, these are billion dollar opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they are, you know, and I'm sure, look, as always, there's new and innovative solutions coming in and some will take hold and, and some won't. Again, I'm, I'm happy to see these guys are providing some form of, of financial education and, and coaching, I guess. I've, I've no idea what the tools look like because that's important because, you know, again, you're going to a point where people, and this is a form of credit, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly yeah. what it is here. But how do you, the key is being able to monitor the different types of credit that you're after getting access to, right? So if you're now getting an advance on your, your monthly payroll or your weekly payroll, and you've also got a couple of buy now, pay laters, um, you know, how are you keeping track of all of this and, and making sure that you're not causing yourself some pain down the line? Um, I, I always look at the alternatives here. Like if you're, if you've got employees and they're spending 20% on credit card, and you can offer them like a, a salary advance at 2%. And, and it's an automated service that you give them. That's a big difference. Huge. People. As long as you're being disciplined and you are swapping yeah, yeah. one for the other, and what, you're, you, what you want to avoid doing is yeah. adding in an extra form of credit to an already stretched yeah. credit situation, right? So that's, that's what, what you got to look out for here. So it is important um, that... We have these educational monitoring and tools, or whatever you want to call. It. I think they're 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 key here that people are yeah, agree. educated on what they're doing. I'm sure there'll be many other areas within the business where we'll see embedded finance products being brought to the marketplace. Um, you know, I think we're going to consent continue to see that. You always think, you know, where else do you look, and suddenly some something else comes up. So I'm sure there, I'm sure there are. I was reminded of, um, I was listening to a different podcast this morning on, a, it's just a, an investor podcast. And uh, someone was saying uh, that they picked a year, let's say it was 2010, right? And cloud computing spend was, let's say, 10 billion. And 10 years later, cloud computing spend is at 300 billion. And so wh- even if we think that like embedded finance is a big business, you might find in 10 years' time that it's 10 to 50 times the size, still a completely, uh, completely different kind of scale. Anyway, with that in mind, Lloyds Bank posted some news that customers are choosing digital channels over any other way to bank, with 8% of customers using a branch as the only way to manage their money. Out of the 21 million customers banking online with Lloyds, 17 million choose mobile banking. 
Lloyds are saying that they now have around 150,000 in-app chats happening every week. They were seeing drop-offs in their chat solution, but now they have a language model classifier, basically conversational AI, improving the app's ability to understand what is being asked by their customers. Lloyds report that they are currently on track to generate 12 million mobile messaging interactions with their customers annually by the end of 2025. Cormac, I think this is something we're uh, definitely going to see more of, um, conversational interaction through any mobile app or providing your conversational customer experience through a mobile app more and more. I certainly hope so, because that's what we are betting on here at Webio, in that uh, conversational engagement uh, uh, will be the future and will continue to grow and grow. I have to say, they're impressive numbers from from Lloyd's. Uh, hats off to them after getting 150,000 in-app uh, chats, and I'm assuming they're two-way and not just not just one way, one way blast. No, there's agents as well. Yeah, yeah I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah you would, over. Yeah, you would yeah. have to assume that's that's pretty impressive to be getting that uh, per week. And again, look, you know, from a, a customer's point of view, you're much better off having a in-app chat to get your solution, whether it's trying to find out what your balance is or what you're overdue or whatever your query is, and it's quite straightforward, you're better doing that through a chat interface than spending 45 minutes on a phone trying to get an answer. So um, so that's good. Good for them. Yeah. And this is only going to grow, Paul, as, as we know. Um, we certainly think that, and the use of uh, language models can certainly be a game changer, particularly if they're if they're tailored towards your your particular area uh, or, or business. I think they're going to be a real game changer as opposed to just generalist language models. You know, uh, that's again, that's that's what we're we're working on and we're betting on. So, yeah, I'd uh, agree with you there. Well, as uh, we might have said before, keep your eye on this space because uh, there will be some announcements there. Let's uh, move on to the final section here, uh, recent reports. Uh, so this week, um, there is an interesting report from uh, the Cambridge Centre for Alternative Finance at the University of Cambridge. It's called The Future of Global Fintech uh, Towards Resilient and Inclusive Growth. The study analysed data from 227 fintech companies across various sectors and regions. It focused on business demographics, market performance, and social and economic impacts of fintech. Some of the key findings include, of course, that artificial intelligence is considered the most crucial development factor for fintech over the next five years by 70% of respondents. Embedded finance, the digital economy, and open banking are almost equally significant growth factors for the fintechs. Consumer demand is a primary growth driver, especially in Latin America and the Caribbean. A skilled workforce and favorable regulatory environments are also significant for growth. Macroeconomic factors are the main growth obstacle with funding challenges, notably in Latin America and the Caribbean. The post-pandemic fintech sector has seen over 50% consumer growth, but challenges like economic conditions and funding must be addressed for the business to grow. Sub-Saharan Africa reports a more favorable funding environment. We're seeing a lot of positive news this week from fintechs and new banks uh, doing business in South Africa. And our friends from uh, Umba, Irish company, are doing amazingly well in Kenya at the moment. And I get great updates from them every month. 
uh, fintech services are increasingly reaching underserviced groups, such as women, low-income, and rural customers. There are regional variations with women in the Middle East and North Africa, accounting for a higher proportion of transaction values compared to Europe. Uh, the study emphasizes the need for regulatory innovation to match financial innovation for a sustainable fintech, and there is potential for digital financial services to improve access to finance for consumers and SMEs for more accessible and personalized products. So again, we're seeing a lot of action there uh, in the global fintech environment. I think it's the takeaway from, from the report for me is there's, yes, there's been a bit of a downturn in the funding and the, uh, the macroeconomic environment because of interest rates that really hit the business models of a lot of fintechs. And I think that um, what I'm seeing again is regional variations. So what works in one part of Europe may not work in another part or may need to be repositioned or remarketed in, in different ways. So it's not like a single, uh, single offer for every market. Um, so well worth digging out the report and just kind of familiarizing yourself what's happening in different markets because we often get just a little bit blindsided by things that aren't happening in our own geographies. So do go and check that out. The second report uh, I came across was a recent study of over 2,000 organizations, um, and they're looking at customer service trends. And again, the report picks out that AI is the number one trend. But this time, the report picks out that even today, customers' expectations have risen because they expect companies to have, in, have implemented AI. And that's really showing up in terms of if I'm on a web chat and I'm talking with a company, I expect that to be now picked up by um, a bot or you know something that performs like a bot. I expect it to be very quick response, and I expect very decent answers to my questions very quickly. So even the the fact that AI has hit the general culture so widely now through the uh, chat GPT and uh, the OpenAI products, I, I think that that has just raised the bar for everyone and what they expect to be able to do. That's my main takeaway from that. The kind of things that are turning up in product um, are you know, what you'd expect in terms of being able to review customer conversations for various you know, degrees of sentiment or were they completed or concluded properly or did they start off hot and end cold or vice versa? Um, were they um, uh, integrated with the, the, the knowledge frameworks, the knowledge bases of the company to answer questions and kind of how frequently did that, did that happen? So nothing really... Um, earth-shattering from the what do people expect from a chatbot solution or from an AI-driven chatbot uh, te would tend to be, again, a focus on can you use AI to automate fairly monotonous tasks that agents didn't want to do anyway? Can you maybe communicate with agents that this really is not a threat to agents? Like, again, I've, I, I've, I've had conversations with people who, who argue differently with me I do not see large-scale layoffs due to the um, uh, due to the roll-off of, of, of these technologies. 
it just allows you to use the agents you have more effectively and for, for more difficult tasks. Um, so I, I think my takeaway from it is I think that 2023 was probably a year where most customer service C-level suite were trying to figure out what they would do. Should they be experimenting? With, where would it go? So 20% were doing that in 2023. A full 70% of C-level executives in 2024 are going to be actively engaging in deploying um, AI and customer service. So again, uh, bang on the nose for us, Cormac, in terms of yeah. what we do. Yeah, no, look, I think, Paul, it's a case of just be careful what you hype up because what you hype up, you're going to have to front up. So clearly 2023 was a year of massive hype for uh, for AI and the capabilities of AI, um, particularly Gen AI and everything around ChatGPT and the likes. So I think what you're going to see in 2024 is we're going to move towards that implementation use case scenario. We're, al- we're already seeing that, right? So yeah. um, it, people were just trying to wrap their heads around, okay, we got this new uh, new technology that seems like it could make an impact. So how do we now implement that and get some real solid use cases going? So I think you're going to see uh, 2024 is going to be that year. Um, and I think you said it there. It's like, look, you know, customers' expectations um, have been driven sky high uh, in terms of customer engagement. And I think if you start, you know, you don't have to boil the ocean with this. You can start off with, um, you know, relatively basic use cases and then layer on top of that and get more sophisticated in terms of what you're trying to do. So long term, this is definitely going to, this is a game changer. There's, for, you know, there's there's no two ways about that. Um, and I think we're just going to see another step forward in 2024, more and more use cases, more and more implementation. Um, while I semi-agree with you around the, the HR side of things, like it's definitely going to have an impact, you know, not in the immediate term, but if it starts developing um and improving year and year and year, there are a lot of, of roles that, you know, could be automated. You know, they just are. So, you know, yeah, in the short term, we're not going to see massive, um, you know, layoffs, but over the long term, but sure, it's like anything. It's like, you know, the internet coming out. It's like, you know, the, I don't know. Uh, throughout history, we've had we've had changes, and you just adapt, and, and to, you know you find new roles and new new things to work on. So yeah, well, I, I think it's uh, it's it's just going to be interesting because uh, what I'm really seeing is people actually finding that they they need to extend their capability. Like, I can't hire another fifty agents, and I yeah. have work for fifty agents. So I, I almost need to hire an AI to do that, that, that bit of work, that capacity building for me. And um, I think it'll just find more ways of offering customer service. Um, like I mean, last time I looked, or, I mean, it's, it may be two or three years ago now since I looked at this number, but between the jigs and the reels, there's over a million people working in the UK call center industry. And like, that's a lot of people. So, like, this is a big question. Like, while while we're talking about it, is it is it um how how deeply is it going to impact the industry? I think uh, maybe keeping an eye on that ourselves uh, will be a, an interesting uh, service to to everybody. Okay, 
Listen, that's it for Credit Shift this week. It's been a fascinating week here for everyone at Webio. We uh, were thrilled with all the, our developments. Um, great to see some um, reports coming out on the future of fintech and AI and embedded finance and all those areas. Um, for more stories, for more thought leadership pieces, and to check out the new uh, advancements at Webio, do check out our website, webio.com. And thanks again for joining us for Credit Shift this week. 